Welcome to Episode 5 of Docography, Little Stories of the Big Moments. This podcast is brought to you by the Rural Clinical School of WA Rural Training Hubs. We'd be happy to hear from you if you have any questions about rural training opportunities or rural medicine. Today we have another interview with a doctor in training for you. Nathan Lewis is currently employed by the Australian Institute of Sport and is working towards fellowship with the Australasian College of Sports and Exercise Physicians. He is the first Indigenous doctor on this training program, and for those of you on Twitter who follow Indigenous X, you may recognise his name from his recent stint hosting there. Those who don't follow Indigenous X, definitely check it out. I have known Nathan for the past seven years, since his time here in Broome as a student, and I feel very privileged to be part of his awesome journey. Without further ado, here's the interview. Welcome to Docography, Nathan. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, who you are and what you do? Uh, sure. Um, so my name's uh, Dr. Nathan Lewis. I am a, a Karajati and Yari man. Um, I'm a sport and exercise medicine registrar, uh, currently based in Canberra at the Institute of Sport. Excellent. Um, so we just wanted to talk to you today about, um, I guess, your career so far and some, some of the highs and lows. So um, if this was a book of your life that's currently being written, um, what would the contents page look like so far? The contents page? Ah, that's a, that's a tricky question. Uh, the contents page would probably uh, be some very clearly delineated chapters of uh, probably pre-medicine, med school days, and the adventures post-medicine uh, at med school, I think. Look something like that. Yep. And what are some of those, um, what are some of those adventures? Uh, post-medicine, you mean? Or any of them, pre-medicine? What any is, of them. Yeah. Well, so pre-medicine, I was actually, uh, I did have another degree. Uh, I did have another life before medicine. I was a physiotherapist, uh, very passionate about sports and exercise at that point. Uh, but, you know, kind of always felt that it wasn't probably enough for me. So it kind of led me down a pathway of, you know, into health and then wanting to uh, then chase that further and become a doctor. Uh, that led me overseas at one point, so I took my first physiotherapy job uh, in Singapore um, and became an expat for a year and went and worked uh, overseas, which was a very interesting experience. And then what about the medicine chapter? What adventures were in there? Uh, so med school was a was a great experience. I think everyone uh, has fun at med school uh, to a degree uh, in amongst all the study. Um, I probably found the city life of, uh, of med school uh, particularly tough. Uh, I continued to work as a physiotherapist, sometimes up to 20 hours a week at times, and it was definitely uh, pretty tough juggling um, sort of full-time or, again, a, a full-time study load and then a, and a part-time professional job. Um, and it, it really got good for me when I got to uh, uh, go on the rural clinical school program in, in fifth year and head up to Broome and... Um, and spent some time one away from uh, one work, but you know, in an environment uh, that was in Broome, which is sort of where my family are from, and in a much uh, an environment that probably suited me a lot better to the kind of practice I eventually want to want to do as well and undertake and working with uh, indigenous patients. So you went to um, Broome for rural clinical school. Did. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good place <laughs> it was a great place it was uh, easily the best year of med school that I had um, you know most fun you know probably the best hands-on practical learning I think I you know really um, was able to 
um, get some great hands-on experience that I just don't think you get sort of doing medical school in the city, to be honest. And then in your um, post-graduation adventures, what have you been up to so far? Uh, so apart from the obligatory internship, which, you know, in probably the early RMO years, I was pretty keen to get back up to Broome as, um, as soon as I could, um, could make that work. So I came up uh, to Broome after my internship in my, my second year um, of, of, of practices of medicine, working at, at Broome Hospital. Um, getting to do obviously some jobs in the emergency department there um, and on the ward um, there, uh, which is very familiar. Um, and then got to also do a job uh, with CAMS, uh, flying out to uh, Bijidanga uh, once a week and doing some outreach clinics, which I think is a pretty unique experience for, a, for an RMO to do. And fantastic sort of way to, to get some experience in, in that sort of medicine. And you, with your um, training as a sports um, an exercise physician registrar. You've had a few adventures with that as well, haven't you? Yeah, look, it's a, um, it's probably not a very well-known specialty uh, to a lot of people. We are a very small college, you know, really only have about 200 um, fellows and registrars across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, but obviously, it's as a new specialty as well. We obviously uh, do spend a large portion of our time looking after uh, sport, um, which is obviously part of the title, um, which does allow us to travel and, and take us to, to uh, weird and wonderful places, um, you know, as part of our training. Um, you know, I, and I've been very fortunate working with um, some sporting teams, such as Cricket Australia. It's taken me overseas, uh, working in sort of India, uh, Sri Lanka and, and South Africa most recently on cricket tours. Um, and they're great experiences, not as glamorous as everyone thinks they might be. Um, you know, I... I, when I was up in Broome, I also got to cover a, a footy carnival in the middle of um, in Fitzroy, uh, Fitzroy Crossing there, um, which I rank up there as um, probably the most unique sports medicine experience that I've had, um, you know, which, you know, a lot of people get those international tours experience. But I think, you know, to go and cover a bush footy carnival is, is just as much fun and, and probably presents just as much of a challenge to, to those things as well. What are some of the absolute highs of your career to date? Uh, the thing I'm probably most proud of is, um, is obviously getting into training. Uh, so I got into training first year. I was eligible, uh, PGY4, um, and I am Australia's first Indigenous sport and exercise medicine trainee. Um, you know, it's been a long journey and again, it's always tough sometimes to be the first of something, but, you know, very proud of that. Um, so that's, a, that's a highlight for me. Um, and then obviously being able to combine that now with, um, you know, my passions in medicine, which are sport and exercise with then um, drawing into that an Indigenous health theme um, and combining the two, um, we're kind of creating a bit of a niche that previously hasn't been done um, before um, and trying to increase the, um, the awareness and the, and the standards of, of that particular aspect of Indigenous health. Um, so that's probably the main one. And what are some of the biggest challenges you've had so far? Uh, I think, like, as everyone will say, med school is not the easiest um, sort of road. Um, you know, I think, you know, everyone has their challenges through med school. And I think I made my own life difficult um, at times by probably working uh, more than I needed, more than I should have. Um, you know, it was probably very... Uh, you know, very focused on being able to be independent during med school and, and, and look after myself um, at times. So that was that was tough. Um, 
you know, and then dad did get become unwell um, during, you know, the sort of my RMO years trying when I was trying to get into training. Um, you know, and I think get, applying for any training program is always very difficult. You're juggling sort of pretty, you know, long work hours with study, passing sort of entry level exams, um, and to do that with a with a father who was unwell um, was a was a pretty significant challenge as well. And and what do you think got you through some of the challenges, or or how would you? Is there anything you'd do different if you went back to those times? Yeah, so uh, working less, embracing the, the medical school experience uh, more. I, that was probably one of the few regrets I did have. I would have liked to spend more time on campus, particularly at um, sort of Shenton House at UWA where all the other Indigenous um, students spent. Didn't spend anywhere near enough time there because uh, I always was running away. So one thing I'd say to any uh, sort of medical student who's still there is to, is to make the most of your time in med school, you know, because you don't get that time ever again. Um, you know, don't work more than you need to. Don't make your life harder than it needs to be. Um, and as far as sort of the other aspect of um, preparing for getting into training programs, um, it's it's not a race. Um, there's plenty of time. Um, you know, take your time. Don't compromise your own mental health or well-being to get into the a training program I feel like sometimes it feels like we get caught up in a rat race of medicine and it feels like our entire lives revolve around getting onto a training program and, and what pro training program defines us and you know it shouldn't we are you know we're all amazing individuals for getting into medicine in the first place and we aren't defined by getting into that training program even on your first go take your time get some experience, um, enjoy the, the ride a little bit, have some time away from preparing to get into the next challenge, just work for a bit, you know, gather those experience in, in different areas, clinical areas. Um, it'll all still be there um, when you want to finally, when you're ready as well. So your training so far has taken you geographically, uh, you know, really interesting places. Probably you've mentioned some international travel and um, you've moved over to Canberra to the Australian Institute of Sport this year. Um, how did you find making those decisions and what, what tools do you use when you're making decisions about what next for you? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a dilemma that a few people will face uh, at some point, having to move for training. Uh, now, I didn't have to, I wasn't obliged to move as, as such, uh, but I found that an opportunity, you know, sometimes opportunities come up in different areas. Um, and you know, I really want to make the most of my training and get a broad um, sort of perspective of, of my specialty and, and the experience I can get. Uh, and once an opportunity um, sort of came up, um, I did weigh up, um, obviously, because there's always a cost. You know, you take a job, you sacrifice something, you sacrifice your friends and family, you know, or things that you know back in your, wherever your hometown is. Um, so, you know, making that being aware of the opportunity cost um, of it all um, is is something to to note. But I think, you know, to get that varied experience, you know, sometimes we need to step outside of our comfort zones. And I've always been someone who's um, not been overly daunted by the fact of being put out of my comfort zone. I think that's the way we learn best and we've got to make ourselves being, you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes and, and certainly moving into state um, has certainly done that for me. And like I said, it, 
you know, the world of medicine exists outside of your hometown. The world of um, medicine exists outside of that, your home hospital where you've trained, um, you know, where you know, where you're comfortable. And I really encourage everyone, you know, if opportunity does arise, if you do have, um, you know, great networks, I mean, that's the other thing, you know, to, to segue into that, the more you can network and the more you can um, sort of have these uh, contacts, the, the more these opportunities present and you have these opportunities then to be able to step outside and make yourself uncomfortable for a while. And again, it is only transient. Um, it does go away, but it does present you with uh, an ability to, to learn more, get more skills, gain a better perspective of, um, of medicine and, and life as a whole, which I think is important for us as doctors. So there's a few new words uh, coming into our language because of thanks to coronavirus. And one of them is um, pivot, which uh, was, it's not a new word, but the way we use it, I think, has changed a lot. Um, so you went into an Australian Institute of Sports job in an Olympic year. And yes. then came a pandemic and there was yes. a massive pivot. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> Uh, so yes, so that was why I took a job at the Institute of Sport in 2020 with a with a hope to to do some work in and around an Olympic year. Um, obviously, didn't wasn't really expecting a global pandemic to uh, to to sidetrack that, and um, subsequently the AIS uh, was shut. Um, and we've all been working from home. Uh, given that I didn't have a lot of uh, sort of social contacts in Canberra itself, I decided to. Uh, head up to my girlfriend's place in Mackay in North Queensland um, prior to the border shutting. So I've been working from home uh, as such um, in in sunny Mackay at the moment, um, which has been a very unique experience practicing medicine, um, I guess, you know, from behind a computer. Um, I, I, I look after the basketball program at the Institute of Sports. So I still have a cohort of athletes that I am responsible for. Um, but we've just, I've transitioned as such into a, a you know, a telemedicine or a telehealth type doctor, um, which has been a new experience for me. Um, and then I guess it's, it's also allowed lots of, I suppose, downtime from clinical work, which has allowed me to focus on the other aspect of stuff that we get to do in medicine is, is focus on research projects, you know, policy and, 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 creating a creation of guidelines, which are an important part of our work too. I asked Nathan about some of the other advocacy work he does outside of his training. So I wear, I guess, a few hats um, outside of my, my role as a, as a clinician at the Institute of Sport. Uh, one of the things I'm very passionate about is... Um, I guess, Indigenous health and then the different branches of being able to improve access, uh, improve care standards uh, in that sort of domain. Um, so I do some work, obviously, I'm a member of the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association as well. Um, and obviously, as an advocate for trying to improve um, some of those health outcomes, I think, you know, I, I'm very privileged and have a position where I do have a lot of great um, access uh, to be able to to be a voice for for um, advocacy for that area, um, you know, very recently I've I've had the opportunity to take over um, Indigenous X on Twitter for a week and host that for a week, um, which is a you know a platform which sort of gave me access to 55 or thousand followers for a week, um, being able to basically spruik any messages you know that I that I've wanted to, um, which also led to being able to write 
you know, some pieces in the, like a piece in the Guardian again as well. Again, talking about, um, you know, it's very specific to our specialty as such sport and exercise medicine. Um, but I think, you know, that's a great specialty that again, just it's, it's kind of got the wrong impression, um, by everyone. Everyone just thinks we deal with elite athletes, but, really we're there to deal with musculoskeletal issues of you know every person and keep people moving and active and we know the benefits of exercise across multiple different um sort of chronic diseases both prevention and treatment um you know is integral and there is some great evidence around that so being able to be an advocate for improving um sort of the rebates um you know, or attempting to improve the rebates that to allow us to, to run bulk billing clinics um, for our specialty, which again would, would improve the access of, um, to our specialty, um, for our specialty to people to, again, better manage chronic disease in Australia, I think is, um, is something that we all should be doing. Um, but, you know, I feel like I said, I'm in a very privileged position to be able to do in my role as well. I would say from my um, experience, with the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association, that it's probably one of the most, um, uh, one of the best examples of mentorship going, you know. So have you been involved with them from early days in medicine? Uh, so, <laughs> again, uh, back to my earlier points, I was invited to lots of things in my early uh, days in medical school and never found enough time to get along uh, being too busy work and that sort of stuff and really only got involved with them in my probably final year of medical school and then throughout my sort of early junior doctor sort of training and um, I guess becoming more and more involved in the last uh, few years um, you know and they, they're very good at providing a, um, a platform to um, of support, um, you know, because I think we're a very we're a minority inside a minority, really. Um, you know, there's a there, you could probably count all the Indigenous doctors and med students really in the country. Um, there wouldn't be probably more than 350 um, overall. So it's not a big cohort. Um, you know, the support is great. Um, you know, we sort of come together with a common goal to try and again advocate for for Indigenous health and. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a great organisation. And what's, um, some, if you think of some of the mentors you've had across the board in your career, um, and I, I guess that's including your whole career outside of medicine as well, because we bring everything to the table, you know, whatever we did before as a postgraduate student, we bring that into our career as a doctor as well. So if you think about the people who've mentored you, what is it about them? Um, what, what does a good mentor look like to you? I've been very fortunate to have um, some good ones over the years back. Um, and, you know, and, and I think there's no perfect uh, picture of a mentor because I think it's important we have different mentors and they give us different things. Um, but I think the most integral thing is being able to have um, a relationship with that mentor where they understand you um, as an individual, what you're trying to achieve, what you want um, what drives you, what's your passion um, and your, you know, whether it be in medicine alone or, or bigger picture than that. And I think having uh, someone who, who clicks with you and, and understands you is the most important thing. You know, I've had varied mentors um, over the years, um, you know, both male and female, different ages as well. And it's not been any one unique unifying characteristic other than the fact that I think they understand 
what I'm about and what I want to do and, and why I'm passionate about what I'm passionate about is the, is the most important thing. You know, I don't, I don't, they don't have to be part of your specialty. They don't have to be, um, you know, have all the same values aligned as you, um, but they need to understand um, what drives you, I think, and be able to provide that guidance um, and, and ways and support um, to be able to, to get you there and, and unlock those aspects um, of yourself that you know you need help with to be able to achieve those things. Um, and if you could get in a time machine and go back to your younger self at some point um, and give them some advice, what, what, when would you choose to give your younger self some advice and what would it be? Again, great question. Uh, it'd probably be back to med school me, I think, um, would be, you know, I'd go back and talk to myself that you know let myself know that it'll all be okay um you know you will get to where you want to get to if you you know and even if you don't get to where you think you want to get to maybe you weren't supposed to be going there um you know medicine is a very diverse um you know um sort of it's not you know career and it will take you many places and and those places are, are not permanent as you know they will take you many places so it would be, just to reassure myself that the journey is um is is all part of it in medicine um, don't sweat the small stuff too much don't worry about your big picture plans that you made in second year medical school which you think have to be all defining um you know you will go to very you know many places in medicine that you probably never thought you would and your things will change interests will change um you know places you work will change people you work with will change um but it's all part of the journey and um you know, just to reassure myself would be would be what I'd do. You're probably transitioning in your career into into more of a mentor now. You know, you've kind of got to that point where you've got lots of people looking up to you for good reason. What would you say to them? Um, so one, I you know, will shamelessly plug my my current specialty. Sport and exercise medicine is an amazing um, sort of specialty. You know, we don't just look after athletes. As I said before, we look after you know musculoskeletal um sort of medicine um to keep people moving whether it be you know you know that pediatric patient with a you know with a sore foot or a sore knee you know right through to your amateur week amateur athletes weekend warriors you know crossfitters you know um right through to people with osteoarthritis like it's a it's a it's a specialty that's about keeping people moving we prescribe exercise you know we are very much um you know involved in trying to keep people healthy and active and there's a there's a large aspect of the preventative um sort of health aspect which i think we need to transition our healthcare system to and not be as reactionary but at the same time we also prescribe exercise for chronic disease and i think all of our sort of chronic comorbidities whether it be cardiovascular disease and metabolic stuff um you know right through to mental health um, respiratory stuff would all benefit from um, being more active so it's an amazing specialty we're very small we need better recognition you don't need to send all those sore knees to the orthopedic surgeons um, you know sometimes the non-surgical approach um, is the right approach and you know I think our indications for surgery really need to be you know um, thought about um, going forwards there is often a conservative approach to all that 
Um, we're all very friendly. Um, we don't just want to work in, in cities as well. We are transitioning to, to make our service available in rural and remote areas as well. So you will see more of us in um, sort of places we haven't been traditionally. So um, if you're one interested in sort of exercise um, at all or preventative medicine, consider it as a specialty. And if you're not interested in doing it, you know, at least be aware of us, you know, know when to refer, um, let us help you um, keep your patients active. Excellent. There you go. Good use of the mic. Um, is there anything else that you were wanting to talk about today? Other than everyone should go and spend some time rurally. Um, <laughs> it's honestly one of the best things I think anyone can do, even if you don't plan to live or work rurally for any prolonged period of time. It's one of the best things I think you can do, um, you know, and gives you great perspective of the actual healthcare system. Like, I think anyone who just sits in a big tertiary hospital in an urban centre gets a I guess a limited snapshot of what medicine looks like and medicine comes in all sort of shapes and sizes in this sort of vast country we live in but go and spend some time in a rural and remote location you'll meet some amazing people you'll do some amazing things you'll you'll see the tyranny of distance that we all have to deal with in, in this country particularly in Western Australia you know in the top end there where you don't have the same resources and um, you'll be forced to think on your feet at times. You'll, you'll see sort of jack of all trades, rural generalists, rural GPs who, you know, almost like medical ninjas who can deal with anything and everything. Um, go and spend some time rurally. Um, it'll, it'll change your perspective in a, in a big way. And it keeps calling you back, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> it does. Well, thank you very much for being on Docography. Uh, it's been a particular pleasure for me to talk to you and I think um, I think that you're you're on the way up in medicine I think the the, the people who are listening to this podcast will uh, will will see a lot more of you and say oh, I heard this guy when <laughs> when he was the registrar at the Australian Institute of Sport so uh, I think there's exciting things ahead um, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be part of your journey Nathan thank you very much uh, thank you very much for having me, Beck. And um, you were definitely one of those mentors that I was uh, speaking about today. So I appreciate all your help throughout the years as well. Thank you so much to Nathan for sharing his time and his wisdom with us. I hope you enjoyed it. Many thanks to the Rural Clinical School of WA Integrated Rural Training Hubs for making this podcast possible. If you would like some information about rural training opportunities in WA, please email us hubs, H-U-B-S at rcsforsamwa.edu.au and we'll find the right person to help you. If you have some suggestions for future episodes or feedback on the podcast, please email docography, D-O-C-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y at rcswa.edu.au. The next episode will take us south to Albany where we'll hear from Dr Matt Coleman, psychiatrist, academic, commissioner, father and farmer. Not necessarily in that order. Music